Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Erica Lewis, author of the new novel, Kelsey Murphy and the Academy of the Unbreakable Arts. Erica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about your new novel, Kelsey Murphy and the Academy of Unbreakable Arts yet, how would you describe the novel? How would I describe the novel? Uh, well, this is an action-adventure novel um, with a lot of heart. Um, my own heart, a lot of it's in there on the page. Um, it's the story about a 12-year-old girl named Kelsey Murphy, who's a foster kid from Boston, um, who's actually from Massachusetts. She's been moved around a lot. But suddenly, she's moved back to Boston. And uh, when she gets there, um, she ends up... Uh, finding her first clue to who her parents might actually be. Um, I don't want to give away too much of the story, but the sure. story basically, uh, she unleashes an incredibly great evil in um, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, uh, in which case she chases after those who made this uh, epic nightmare happen and uh, ends up traveling into uh, the other world with a capital O um, set in Irish with a lot of Irish mythology and some European dashed in there too. Um, she's whisked into um, the lands of summer part of the, the other world. And uh, there she finds herself at a school and has no idea why she's there or how she showed up. But it turns out that the Academy for the Unbreakable Arts turns out the most gifted uh, um, soldiers that are in it's a, it's a basically a military magic school um, for the lands of summer who are in an unending war with the lands of winter. Um, this school is taught it's it's run by the the preceptor, which is the principal, is um, an Irish uh, legendary figure named Skahawk, and she is a, a person. Uh, a goddess, some say uh, 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 an Amazonian warrior, some others say um, who taught uh, Ireland's biggest heroes um, in their mythological period how to fight with martial arts and magical weapons. Um, and getting into her school is not by invitation, it is by test um, and not a fun one. And uh, and and the story unfolds from there. It's a journey where Kelsey's trying desperately to figure out who she is and at the same time stop uh, something that she has unleashed that threatens the entire school. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write this novel? Well, um, yes. Uh, I remember the moment. I remember... Um, reading i had i just i lived in london and i studied uh extensive went back to ireland and and i i i spend a lot of time there um so much to my family chagrin dragging them around through unending number of 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 old ancient ruins um and so for me i had been uh doing a lot of research and um for another novel that i was actually writing called game of shadows and i stumbled upon us upon her her story and learned a lot about her and um we it, her original school back 10,000 plus years ago was on the Isle of Skye on a place called uh Dunskye Castle which means fortress of shadows and it was named for her cuz she's called the shadowy one 
um, in translation. And so um, I knew I wanted to do something with that with that idea. And my editor after Game of Shadows came out was like, you know, you really have such a great voice for middle grade. Would you consider doing a middle grade series and giving us a proposal for that? And I was like, yes, I have an idea. <laughs> and so it actually gave me a great excuse to force my family on yet another trip, uh, this time up through Scotland, this time though, um, up through the highlands, um, over the bridge to the Isle of Skye. Um, so that I could actually see the the bridge of leaping in its in its original form, which is there, which is in the book, which is part of the test to get in, um, and and make some great notes. And I I used to spend a lot of time in Massachusetts and still do because we have family there. And I I used to spend summers uh, in Worcester, and um, so I really wanted to set something in uh, in Boston because I just love the city so much. At least in the beginning, and of course in book two, we're 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 back there a little bit as well. But um, but I I knew I wanted to 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 do it about uh about a a girl. I knew I wanted to to stretch my legs on on writing about someone in in foster care, but not just foster care, but you know like um, tormented foster care because she was being tormented all the time by her caseworker who happened to have a different agenda <laughs> so i don't want to give too much away sure, um, sure. so she's pretty tortured and um and yeah and and then and the characters kind of just unfolded from there sure well as you mentioned this book is published as a middle grade novel when you're writing a middle grade novel are there certain parameters that you have to keep in mind definitely i mean you know um and sometimes that's hard because, you know, basically when I'm, when I write a middle grade novel, I, I, I never like to talk down to kids and think that they can't handle some kind of specific thing. There are a lot of heavy themes in this, but, you know, um, when I'm the, 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 uh, obviously the, the, the relationship content, you know, when you're talking about a middle grade book, you're talking about an eight and up reader, an advanced mm -hmm. eight-year-old reader, all the way up to, I have some ninth grade readers, you know, um, some classrooms asking me to come in for people who are uh, struggling to learn to read, which actually is is my past. Um, so there's a big wide range of that. So you have to make sure that you're you're arcing the relationships for the for the younger versions and, and then aging it up with the characters. So a 12-year-old is a typical sixth grader. Um, and ha having kids of my own, spending a lot of time <laughs> over these last few years with sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, um, you kind of know. I, I have a good sense for where they are in that in that emotional and and the whole like I have a crush on this one and I like that sure. one. But you don't. But it isn't about it isn't it isn't it doesn't overtake the story where the differentiation between you know middle grade and young adult is is um, the the upper high, the high schoolers the ninth grades right. are not sliding more into wanting that kind of thing so i i definitely tailor the relationship stuff um you know the the violence to uh, uh typically um you 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 want to be real careful that you know the the world is in jeopardy not not you know you're not you, you the, a lot of the creatures that they're battling and that are Living and dying are are definitely ones that are 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 monsters, so to speak. There are there are a lot of 
um, more um, uh, emotional uh, uh, character storylines in this particular novel than um, than I had originally expected when I started writing it. But I felt for me when I was writing it, because there are four kids total in Kelsey's, um, they call them Fianas. They're, they're basically when you get to the school, you're teamed up with your, your, um, your mission, your, your SEAL team six, right? You're, you're right. So her Fiona, um, has four and, and each one of them has something that they're struggling with instead of being the most popular group they are actually the least popular group and kelsey being the least popular amongst them um for a lot of reasons um that are completely out of her control so which is typical for her so she's kind of used to it so in that way it, it there's a lot for her to overcome and trust issues and each one of the kids has something very different that they're struggling with um you know her first friend she meets uh niall was born with only one hand um, which is um, something that has never bothered him, but seems to have bothered everyone else. Um, it's never slowed him down, never made him feel um, like he couldn't do something. And which is, is you know, uh, a person born with one limb is 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 born that way, and you're you 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 work around it. I mean, some you know they they it, it's it's not even a workaround. It's just what it is, you know. And right. it's um, so it, I really. It was my editor who was like, let me get, let me throw a challenge at you. Give me a character who, um, who is, is, has a handicap. And uh, I, I, I hate to use that word because, because he doesn't feel handicapped, but, um, but everybody else makes him feel that way. Um, and including his own family. So there's a lot of that to overcome. There's, um, uh, a, a girl who seemingly is the best and brightest and most, um, uh, Best at martial arts, best at bow and arrow, best at her skill, which is shape shifting. She's just everything, and um, uh, everybody wants to be her friend because her mother is supposedly this goddess, and uh, which is never happens in the other world. Um, but uh, but she's got her own this struggle that she's dealing with, and you know Kelsey has a sort of love hate relationship with her. Uh, hate it first, of course, and 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 as the story progresses, um, they seem to get to know each other more, which is a, another really important lesson, I think, for kids in uh, elementary school and middle school. Is you know, first impressions are not always the right impressions, and and it's you know, giving people a chance is is really important because um, otherwise, it just you know, leads sure. to the chaos we end up sure. in these. Um, and then the last kid is Zephyr Chaik, who is, um, his, he comes from the most functional family, uh, the most normal family, um, always beaten up on by his older brothers. And, um, he, he's a bit of a clown in some ways and people tend to not take him seriously. And his biggest struggle has, his whole existence has been trying to be, um, to be more than what everybody else sees him as. And, uh, he is in fact put in the position of being, uh, he, he tests as a charger and they are have incredible strength that develops over time. So he's really super strong, but he also is the leader of the group and which of course comes with its own problems. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, you also write comic books, firebrand and a from legendary comics among others. 
Yeah. What's the difference between writing a novel for you versus a comic book script? Um, they're, uh, they're really completely different. Um, <laughs> I used to think that I used to say, oh, it's all just storytelling and, and it's not, um, it, they're very different, um, uh, ways of telling stories because when you're writing a comic, number one, it's a collaboration. I'm not an artist, so I don't do my own art and I work hand in hand with every artist and, and the book is as much theirs as it is, is mine. Um, uh, cause I, I, you can't bring it to life. It's basically, it's like writing a TV script. It's much more, much more like my, my past in writing pilot scripts and stuff like that. That's much more, um, like writing a comic because you're setting the scene and you're, um, establishing locations and it's all very visual. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of time with, uh, long paragraphs of prose. Um, I can write, Hey, she walks into the school cafeteria. I think everyone knows what a school cafeteria looks like. <laughs> no reason for me to elaborate here. But my my struggle, which is always something that I'm struggling to make better all the time, is, is dialogue and and not have any uh, um, unnecessary dialogue. And in comics, it's very important to make sure that that the the what's what's visually connected to what your what the characters are also saying. Um, really drives the action in the story forward. So it's very different. So when I'm turning in scripts, I'm actually working on one right now that actually hasn't been announced. It's a book with um, uh, a graphic novel and middle grade also. And, you know, it's like I, I do a chapter, we revise the chapter until it's it's completely perfect. And then that gets passed to the artist. It's a totally different process. And how did you break into comic book writing? You know, I was really lucky. I spent uh, 15, maybe a little longer years working in television. And one of my jobs at the end of my employee being employed by studios and networks to to oversee uh, programming and uh, develop programming. And one of my last jobs was at NBC Universal working, uh, overseeing a studio at a network called G4. Mm-hmm. And we did a ton of um uh, we did Attack of the Show and explain all these um, things around video games and comics and and pop culture, basically. And it was really, or I should say nerd pop culture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we, uh, the, the fun part was that I, I loved comics and I had always had a long past in working with people on optioning comics and turning them into, into IP, into television or whatever people were going to do with it. I was fortunate to work, work with people like Michael Uslan, who works on the, all the Batman franchises. And I just remember being at New York Comic Con one day and being like, I have all these ideas for comics and I love, you know, reading them. And I was like, so how do I write one? And I just asked him, and I remember he pulled out a piece of paper and he was like sort of showing me how to do it. And oh God, that was a really long time ago. <laughs> uh, but he was such a great, uh, great, such a great mentor in that way. And, um, and then when I was at G4, I wrote a graphic novel called The 49th Key. Um, and I was fortunate to get that um, optioned right as I was um, getting ready to leave, as they were basically shutting down the network. Um, and I also had been writing prose novels, many of them in a drawer, but one that, that, that uh, was able to land me an agent and that was Game of Shadows that was published by Tor. So I was fortunate enough to sort of um, 
have everything lined up in a row. Like it kind of just, I was like, have a look. And then I had a pilot script option. So I could, I could kind of slide on out into the, <laughs> and I, and the comic world has always been really good to me. I mean, I, um, I love working in it so much. I, um, I had a pilot script that was optioned at legendary, uh, entertainment. They did Dune and, you know, right, the, right. um, and, um, with that, I was able to go in and then pitch some comic series. And um, one of my partners, Jessica Chobot, who I had worked with at G4, and she and I actually worked on Firebrand together, um, uh, along with Claudia Aguirre, who's the who's the, the artist. We wrote that originally for Webtoon, and then they put that out as a um, as a graphic novel. We have we did two seasons of that, so it was almost like. I think I worked on that for five total years, constantly delivering scripts, um, and then sold a, uh, a Curzian with my partners there. And then, uh, and then everything else has been pretty much I've been working on on my own. But that's, I actually started more doing that. In the 49th Key, I was fortunate enough to work with Grant Morrison. Mm -hmm. um, he was at Heavy Metal all the time, and he's actually um, uh, an editor, the editor there. Sure. Uh, so that was, that was amazing. I just, I just, I don't know. I've been really fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm curious because uh, television scripts and comic book scripts are very structured narratively. Do you, do you see any kind of overlap in your own work? Do you bring that same sense of structure now when you're working on a prose novel? Very much so. I, I outline. Um, I typically go off my outlines because I, I, as a, as a writer, I tend to rush story and I'm trying to get over doing that so much. So I usually outline, I'm like, okay, and this happens and this happens and this happens. And then, um, my editor's like, okay, half of that can move into book three. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. And actually it's been a struggle on book two because I drafted the whole novel and I'm like, oh my God, half this can go into book three and we should start slower. And. So I've been rewriting book two right now for like the last four months, and it's it's been it's been crazy, um, but fun, but crazy. Uh, so yes, I try very hard to outline because um, for me, then I I can put the emotional beats in along with the action beats. Um, as I'm writing a story, if I just dump it all down um, too fast and and don't have at least a, a clear direction from beginning to end um i i sometimes end up in a place that is not where i needed to go and have to drive the train back the other direction i'm not a very good they call it prancing i'm not a very right. good prancer. <laughs> um i'm better at plotting and then just you know taking detours sure well what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are working on their own stories or scripts or novels um first uh god a couple things come to mind <laughs> i wish i had listened to many years ago take your time um don't be in a hurry to uh submit stuff get it down on the page do it fast um stick to a schedule but when it's done try and set it aside for a week or a month uh uh Taiko Waititi, did I say his name? Yes, right? yes, I think, I think so. He, yep. he, um, he sets his in a drawer for a year. I don't know that I'd have patience <laughs> for that. I saw uh, a clip of him in a masterclass saying that, but I, I definitely love being able to set things aside and pick them back up because you always make them better. And um, 
And then you also have to have the courage to let people read it because um, feedback is a part of, of, of all of it. And, you know, it, it's a part of everything in life, but some people are really good at taking it and other people's are, people aren't. I mean, my, one of my, a lot of my friends out here, cause I live in Los Angeles are actors and, and the hardest thing in the world is when you walk in the door and they look at you and they're like, no, because you're, you're the wrong shape for whatever it is they're casting. And, and that's the, the, the beginnings of, of, okay, you know, you just got to suck it up and take it. And then when it comes to writing, it's, it's almost even more, it, it, it's, it's as personal, I should say, because you're submitting this thing that is, is your baby and it's a piece mm-hmm. of you. And you have to get used to the fact that somebody's going to tell you stuff. And sometimes the notes come back and they're, you know, and it's, it doesn't matter whether it's, um, an editor who's, who's your friend. I mean, I've had editors I've worked with. And I'll get their notes back and they're kind of snarky and mean and I really don't appreciate it. And I'm like, okay, but it's coming from the right place. They're trying to make the book better and you just have to get over it. And you got to set that part aside and just keep pushing forward. Um, and uh, none of my editors at Tor, by the way, they're amazing. <laughs> 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 I would never do that. But I have had some of that in the past and and it hurts. It stings. Um, sure. You just have to move on. And I learned that because I, when I was working at Sony in my first job, I was an assistant there and the guy who ran the television division, I was his assistant and he was like, you know, he would be on, he would let me listen in on his calls, giving notes on scripts mm-hmm. and, um, he'd come out afterwards. He was such a great, great teacher. He'd come afterwards and he'd be like, whenever you're giving notes, I'd ask him about stuff. Well, whenever you're giving notes, you got to remember that, that you're trying to get the writer to want to to improve it's like talking to your kid you know you don't want to come at it from a place of what's wrong with everything you need to come at it at a place for this is you know this is a baseline and and now we're going to dig in and try and i'm going to give you some feedback to to think about to, to make it better and it was one of these truly i felt like it was a gift for me because as i went on i got to work with all these incredible writers who liked working with me because that I had learned how to give notes, but that's not, everybody doesn't get that, you know? And so for me, I'd learned to give feedback in a way. Um, and so when I get feedback, I can always sort of, I, I, I can, I can si- siphon through it. I've been sort of desensitized sure, to the sure. way it, it's done and not everybody gets the gift of having that happen to them. So I would, let people to make sure, roll, let everything roll off. Read that that letter that you get, that notes, or we, we get an edit memo. Set it aside for a day because you're fuming. Go for a run. Do whatever you got to do and then and then come back and look at it. And you'll know that everything in that edit me- memo is correct. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels and comic books? Uh, I'm, uh, I have a website, ericalewis.com and there's, I always am updating that, um, on the socials, uh, on Twitter at Erica Ely, it's, uh, is in the middle, lewis.com and same for Instagram. Um, I am on Facebook. It, uh, honestly right now trying to keep up with all of them is always sure. difficult and I'm also on TikTok at the same Erica Ely Lewis, but, uh, I, I probably post more on Twitter and Instagram and I'm always very, uh, happy to have people reach out if they have questions. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Erica Lewis, author of the new novel, 
Kelsey Murphy and the Academy of the Unbreakable Arts. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Erica, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>